Right, testing, testing. Test. We need to let it get released to there. Yeah. Well, and as we speak. Oh yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true. And we're live from Paris, France. Hello, I'm uh, I'm Nick. <laughs> I'm Harrison. And uh, uh, this is French Bashing. Yeah, and we're back three. with the... Episode three. The episode yeah. three? Trois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you guys are listening to French Bashing. It is September... The 15th, 2021, um, and you're tuning in for a episode on French billionaire Vincent Bolloré. So Vincent, tell us about the first time you made a billion euros. Écoutez, moi je suis un homme de famille. No, no, anyway. Well, no. The, so uh, basically we chose to do this episode on, on Bolloré, who's a little bit the Mur kind of like the Rupert Murdoch of France, yeah. insofar as he's controls a big media empire and uses it. Uh, to push certain political discourses. Right. right, which is actually, I mean, as you guys will also see, this is a recent development in his, in his history. Yeah. Um, but um, also, for those of you who listened to the last episode specifically, um, we discussed and gave a pretty, I mean, a, a very long, <laughs> thank you for listening to it, if you did listen to it, a very long <laughs> episode about um, Maybe slightly unnecessarily long. Unnecessarily <laughs> long, yeah, on Eugenie Bestier, sort of one of these young kind of conservative right-wing firebrands. Uh, he was actually on CNews, which is a round-the-clock news network owned by the subject of this episode. Yeah, so what her I'll... recent gig, her, her sort of most recent gig, rise in, you know, sort of moment, episode of rise in her yeah. rise is this sort of like primetime slot on CNews, which is... I think it's a Saturday evening show that she kind of hosts. Um, mm. I don't, I'm not sure. It's not, it's not a daily... Show, but it is a Saturday evening, yeah, yeah, yeah. weekly time slot, yeah, which yeah. is surely getting paid. I mean, We're ridiculous. Five thousand euros a month or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if that, if yeah, not yeah, even if, that if, little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so basically, we, you know, following that episode, we, and you know, one of the big takeaways from that episode is how, despite all her proclaimed kind of radicalism, because the, you know her thing is that she takes up left wing discourses and sort of appropriates them, a sort of anti establishment kind of populist right and you know one of our takes was that you know it's pretty convenient that she has absolutely nothing to say about the media structure right uh, the sort of structure of ownership behind the media sort of companies which allow her rise to take place and support her and so we thought that you know that the, the, today what would be good to do would be to actually address that directly exactly through Bolloré's empire yeah, yeah. because of course CNews is owned by yeah. Bolloré along yeah. with lots of other things yeah and um, well, I guess in the first episode too, I mean, we discussed sort of the long trajectory of Macron from kind of you know liberal um, golden boy to I mean, vaguely sort of right wing, um, just an authoritarian, sort of authoritarian kind of post liberal. Yeah, like. um, and someone like Bolloré, and specifically the investments he's made, and sort of the bet, the sort of very business political bets he's made over the last five years has have been instrumental in creating this new sort of climate that um, Macron has sort of only been too eager to sort of fit into. And for example, the sort of story of the last kind of three months, four months is all about another one of Bolloy's employees, so protégés, protégés um, named uh, Eric Zemmour, um, who is, I guess, a right-wing polemicist. Um, he's been around for sort of 20 or so years, but has really sort of emerged as one of these sort of, yeah, right-wing uh, commentators, yep. far right-wing commentators since, I don't know, the late 20, mid-2010, mid-2000s. Yeah. Mid, mid um, and he also, I mean, he has a, he's a primetime commentator on CNews. Um, and as of the last few months, is has been preparing a presidential campaign. So he is likely to sort of shake present up the himself field. As a, to as present a himself as a candidate. Yeah. 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 And so there's been a bit of a controversy around that because, of course, Firstly, he is the most controversial journalist in France, and he says yeah. the most disgusting shit. Uh, you yeah. know, like worse stuff than for British listeners. You know, than you might see on GB News. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah. it's 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 hard to watch his 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 interventions. Yeah. But the controversy at the moment is that he's been uh, by the sort of press rate the regulator for presidential campaigns, which regulates the amount of time that candidates can have so that they can have an equal amount of public exposure, they are now regulating his sort of TV column or whatever it is yeah, uh, we're yeah, calling yeah. it. Um, 
And he has, and CNews has claimed that they won't be... That actually, no, I think the no. latest I've heard is no, they are going to respect... They are going to the, respect, the but they, they the made noise yeah. as if they weren't. They yeah. tried to play hard, I mean, they, they, they tried they to scream bluff. censor, political censorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, I mean, really, it, it seems... I mean, Zamora knows what he's doing. Um, he's trying, he wanted to take advantage as long as possible yeah. of a primetime television spot. Obviously. No other political figure yeah, or candidate yeah. is allowed to have. I mean, I, I, a friend of mine um, has told me, I guess he used to be kind of right wing um, and has still sort of dabbled in some of those social circles. Uh-huh. And he has a friend who's on, uh, or he's a connaissance, or yeah. somebody he knows who's in the sort of Zim- draft Zamora oh committee, God. who said, yeah, I mean, there it's, they've, the program has been written. Yeah, um, there has been, I guess, in the last few months, horrific. there have been a few of these, um, there have been a few sort of mass postering campaigns um, or throughout French cities. Um, there's just been that very sort of ghoulish portrait of Zamour up pretty much everywhere on mm. the streets. Um, there was one last week, like some tens of thousands of posters mm. of Zamour put up um, throughout French cities. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so the man behind all this is Bolloré. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. exactly. That's yeah. the point of the episode, yeah. is that the man behind this all, or at least making this all possible, is Bolloré. Yeah, yeah. And I guess we'll start start from the beginning, you know. Yeah, who is, who is Vincent Bolloré? Um, so, I mean, first thing that needs to be said, obviously, about Bolloré is the fact that he's a second generation of the Bolloré group, uh, sixth, sixth generation, generation, sorry. Yeah, so sort of an He's old a, bourgeois family. Yeah, um, uh, who owe industrial family, they owned a sort of printing press of, of paper sort for of, like yeah, paper books for Bibles um, and cigarette papers. Yeah. I think they trace their origins really back to 1822. Yeah, that's when it that's um, when it was founded. And yeah. sort of according to the sort of Bolloré's plans, he's going to relinquish control of the family business this coming February on, on 200th on anniversary. So yeah. very monarchical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a very monarchical. see his sort of paternalist conception of and so you know just a bit of you know a bit of trivia uh, for anyone who uses OCB papers yeah. the B in OCB is Bolloré yeah um, now I don't think they, they don't own they, they it sold anymore. it to an American company um, in I think the early 2000s um, but you know originally that was their racket and right, along right. with those thin they made thin paper for like Bibles and Pleiad and things like that and so I guess the, the sort of the origin myth of Bolloré himself. Yeah. Um, so back in the early 80s, late mm. 70s, he was sort of, he came into ownership of this, of yeah. this, which was by then a really sort of a struggling, a failing family business. Because as people can business. imagine, the 80s wasn't, you know, the 70s and 80s weren't that booming for Bible paper, <laughs> like <laughs> shit like that. Although, although cigarette papers, sure. But, you know, regulation was on the rise yeah, and, yeah. you know. Um, and it was failing. And his his personal origin myth is that he saved the family business, diversified, yeah. and so on. I guess then, um, yeah, the sort of the, the bet he made. I guess he, he transitioned at least the sort of manufacturing, the paper manufacturing side, to I guess some pretty um, sort of minute kind of electronical papers, sort of used for like capacitors and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that. Um, and he did recover the business. I mean, it was well, he extremely profitable by the early eighties. I mean, he was sold. You're right. He a got, new he got a business, huge, or yeah. he was sold like he was sold a, a sort of company that helped him save his business by one. So basically, I mean, his, his mentor, family was extremely right? well connected. I mean, Bolloré likes to sort of talk about his um, origins from Brittany, but really okay. grew up entirely in the, the 16th arrondissement of Paris, which is, I mean, the wealthiest. It's like, it's like, it's like Chelsea or something in yeah, London. Yeah, Chelsea, but like, on top of that, he grew up in a private Villa Montmorency or whatever it's called, yeah, yeah. which is a private gated community in the richest area yeah, yeah, of yeah. the country. Um, and so his family is extremely well connected. Like his, his, um, he, his, his dad would always invite sort of political figures, Mitterrand, Pompidou, Pompidou. or like over for, you know, dinners. All um, the time. Yeah, evidently he learned sort of oh, yeah. the art of the risk. Yeah, the art of the cards. bluff. The art of the bluff, yeah. yeah. Playing cards with Pompidou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so basically, and also like very much surrounded by a certain cultural elite. Yeah, yeah. And specifically, I guess, ties that were extremely useful for him were, I mean, his father was very close with sort of two of the biggest fat cats of, of 20th century French capitalism, um, sort of Edmond de Rothschild, yeah. I mean, the great investment banker, and another major investment banker, um, 
one of the leaders of Lazau, which is, is sort of an infamous investor. Antoine Bernheim. Yeah. yeah. And so basically, yeah, sure, Bolloré inherited a suffering company, but and 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 De Rothschild you know, sold him his share, the Rothschild shares of the Bolloré family group for something like four francs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so he essentially single... got a huge yeah, yeah. potential sort of share of capital yeah. on a dime. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, you know, that's, how should we say, that's the le- probably part that he speaks the less, least about in terms of his origin myth. Right? Sure, sure. Um, because there's, you know, Bonner is full of these kind of, as I'm sure all billionaires or public figures are, like, you know, once you do a bit of research in you, not only are these new lines that keep always re-emerge, you know, yeah. his tan, the fact he's from Brittany, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the fact that he saved the family business and yeah, yeah, he sort yeah. of, it, it affected him so to almost see the family business sink and things like that, you know, that, you know, there, there is a, there isn't always another side to it, which, you know, is a bit less spoken yeah. about, you know. Um, it's like Donald Trump, who was like, I came from nothing and blah, 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 but his yeah. dad obviously gave him a million dollar loan or whatever. When he I was mean, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, also to give, I don't want to give Bullery credit, but at least, I mean, they're com- he's comparable to Trump in the sense that in the way that Trump in the 1980s was sort of kind of this, oh my God, this sort of hotshot young yeah. entrepreneur. Bolloré was sort of that in, in kind France, of in yeah. Mitterrand's late 80s, yeah. sort of this is post. The figure kind of, of like um, up and coming young French industrialism. Of, exactly, yeah. Bolloré was sort of a figure. Entrepreneurial. He was, I think he was, I mean, he was, um, he was on um he was voted sort of manager of the year um, by business, a business magazine. Uh, had a lot of sort of sort of media coverage about this sort of hotshot young um, yeah. entrepreneur who had revived the family business and was making a lot of bets yeah. um, in other. Uh, and in other by fields. all accounts, he is incredibly charismatic and like charming and stuff like that. And like, to what extent that's editorialization or not? I'm not sure, but there does seem to be like you know there does seem to be moments where. How should we say he like not only by strong arming but also kind of charms people mm. into sort of mm, he's definitely a master of sort of manipulation of, and, and of, of sort of navigating I guess differing shareholder blocks yeah, of business, power dynamics power dynamics yeah. within sort of massive corporations yeah. he knows how to sort of negotiate. Um, in the back rooms to sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. to sort of shift a shareholder meeting yeah. in his favor. Yeah. Um, and that is, I mean, he's 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 kind of. And he's done that time and time. We'll get yeah. on. We'll get into get that. into he, some of his business. You know, he's very um, very. So, I guess I think, by I guess the late we're we're in the eighties now. We're sort of the big transition he made in the late eighties um, was essentially he got uh, he expanded out of the sort of industrial concerns, and his big bet was Africa. Yeah, um, and I guess this starts sort of retrospectively with him buying up uh, the Rivo Bank. Yeah, and then two group. other concerns, some of like the S Sac or something. Yeah, um, but they were they they're part of the Rivo, aren't they? No, no, no. There, so there, I guess there was Delmas, which was one of the major yeah, yeah, French yeah. shipping companies, That's the shipping which he essentially which he. Um, became majority shareholder yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Uh, made some aggressive bets, mm-hmm. um, and there was another sort of old logistics shipping company yeah. inherited from the French Empire in Africa yeah. that he gained majority control over. But Rivo, yeah, there's a So Rivo, I guess, is the sim- maybe the symbolic piece of this, even if yeah. it's not the, the sort of, I don't know, the material, it's sort of, I don't know, it's just the stuff of it, which is the yeah. logistics and the transport. Rivo was a, is a sort of banking group that had shares held by various incredibly rich, old, kind of shady families. There's the Fabry family mm. from Belgium who, like, owned a third of the Belgian Belgian Empire. And mm. it, Rivo itself was a sort of colonial trust back mm. in the day. Mm. You know, it, it functioned to finance sort of colonial exploits yeah, yeah, yeah. and so on. And then, obviously, the French Empire dissolved uh, you know against the will of, of the French government <laughs> French state obviously um, and and Rivaud, you know I guess I don't know very much about how how long it languished in between that period and when he bought it up but it was definitely doing badly when he bought it up yeah. it, it was like beginning of the 90s maybe even 1990 uh, yeah he, he had finished gobbling up by uh, yeah 80 98 97 98 and, and I um, think what this shows is that because 
obviously to, to anyone on the left, our description of this bank's history, you know, it appears a pretty abhorrent institution, right? Yeah. But to the to this milieu, to the milieu he's he is part of, you know, because I guess we've got to mention this at the beginning, but his family is a long standing traditionalist Catholic bourgeois family in France, you know. Yeah. Um, and so to that kind of milieu, this this institution is prestigious. And I think he has an eye for that. Yeah. In in a, you know he has an eye for what's prestigious in the eyes of the people that matter for him. Mm. And he so he held on to this institution and sort of you know it became a, a, a symbolic linchpin of his Africa, mm. of his growing African business empire. Mm. And also, I mean, as far as as far as industries to get into, I mean, he was clearly looking for sort of a monopoly. Yeah. Uh, he was looking for yeah. uh, an economic sort of a geographical space that could be dominated. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to stitch together. I mean, today, Bolloré's, I guess, business is divided more or less between a media branch and a logistics shipping um, branch. Yeah. The shipping and logistics, which is primarily based on trade and commerce between Africa and Europe, um, is his most profitable branch. Yeah. And he's, I mean, probably one of, if not the largest... Um, his group is one of the largest um, European uh, businesses in in, in Africa. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I mean, if if you've ever been to an African port yeah. in West Africa, sorry, yeah. not not anywhere in Africa, specifically West Africa, but it's a pretty big place. Yeah, then Bolloré probably owned that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he controls like the vast majority of West African ports. Yeah, yeah uh, which, are, as you can imagine, is an incredibly powerful and it's like you were saying uh, the other day when we were discussing this that it was also a really clever move in terms of cigarettes yeah. and tobacco because part of his business is tobacco in Africa yeah. and obviously regulations going one way in Europe yeah. and that's obviously squeezing profits for someone yeah. who makes his money off tobacco yeah. and part of that sort of shift that pivot to mm. Africa was also was also that was also seeing that actually I can make so much more money mm, mm. there with stuff that's going to be more and more difficult to sort of manage and and and, so, and, 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 and make profit from exactly yeah, yeah. and so you know Africa Africa was a boon for him yeah, and yeah. and uh, you know and he controls the, obviously there's not much of an electric car racket in Africa mm. um, in West Africa but you know. He controls that enti entirely mm. in the whole West African some, market uh, on electric cars. Sort right? of uh, several hundred thousand hectares of agricultural oh, land he, and plantations, could, yeah, which again were part of the Revo Trust. Yeah, we're part, uh, a lot of these old yeah. companies that he purchased up also had yeah. massive swaths of holdings of in land, Africa, yeah. um, sort of lumber resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so, for example, goods. his African sort of empire includes things like palm oil. Yeah. Uh, tobacco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was a few other like like palm oil's a pretty bad one. <laughs> like, but there was a couple others like that. I, I've forgotten now. But like, there's loads of like stereotypically like evil yeah, yeah. sort of sort of uh, um, imports or exports. And also, in the Revo Bank, sure, economic. It's definitely a culture. It was a prestigious institution in the French elite at the time. Uh, but also politically tied. I mean, Revo was sort of the bank that sort of did all of the financial services for the right-wing Gaullist party of the Fifth Republic. The oh, RPR, yeah, that's what was involved in pretty much every <laughs> finance, campaign finance scandal of France's of the post major center-right um, <laughs> yeah. political party. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I, I think to maybe foreshadow a bit where we're going to get to at, towards the end of the show when we talk about his far-right turn, I think that sort of Bordeaux in this period, I mean, he's sure he's... In the way that I mean, in the way that every billionaire is politically engaged, and that he has sort of candidates like he was someone who he, was he has fundamentally very comfortable in the sort of Fifth Republic's Setting, sort of traditional actually. party structure between the UMP um, or yeah. the RPR, yeah. the Gaullist Party, and the, the now right. the Republican, and sort of the post nineteen eighty three Mitterrand PS. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, he was he thrived off that alternation. Yeah. Um, because you know he was he was he knew Mitterrand, mm. you know, and he knew Chirac, mm. you know, and then later on he was 
perfectly. He was good with Sarkozy. His, he has I mean, his famous story is, is one of his. But one then Hollande as well. After yeah. that, he has links with Hollande. Hollande's one of Hollande's top advisors. Uh, forgotten his first name, but it's something poignant. Yeah. Uh, it's like a sort of forty-year year friend of of uh, of, of Bolloré's, You know, so like you said, he he was very much. Uh, a beneficiary, or at least someone who knew how to play the alternation sort of game yeah, of yeah, the Fifth yeah, Republic, yeah. at least insofar as it existed for that period. Yeah. Because at the moment, obviously, it's in, in gone into crisis. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's one of the scandals that he's most connected with. Uh, in 2007, right after Sarkozy was elected uh, president in France, uh, so this is when Sarkozy, this was before he had essentially gotten with Carlo Bruni, mm-hmm. uh, the Italian model. Oh, um, yeah. This, this is, is when he was sort of trying to recover his relationship with, with his, his wife. wife. He wanted to impress um, her. He yeah, wanted to yeah, impress yeah. her, and he asked his dear friend Vincent, can you please, 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 Vincent, lend me your yacht? Which you charge people 200 grand <laughs> for a week <laughs> or something yeah. to use. Uh, please just let me take a post-election victory trip in the Mediterranean with the wife that wants to leave me. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and who I'm definitely already cheating on loads and have like their mistresses. So yeah, I mean, he's, um, Bordoré likes to say he doesn't get involved in politics, he doesn't fund political parties, but he is extremely, extremely, extremely connected. And also the just like the guy's an intelligent, shrewd fucking killer. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's it's like the idea he's not acutely aware of how decisions made in the French state affect his business is for the fu- it's ob- it's for the birds yeah, like it's yeah, yeah. obviously ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I guess maybe the ship, the kind of so yeah. Right? The maybe we're ship. sort of now in kind of late nineties, early two thousands. By this time, Bordeaux is sort of a hegemon, economic hegemon, business powerhouse in sort of the former French colonies yeah. of West Africa, Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, he's, I mean, he has, his phone book is full of retired French military officials, intelligence services officers who are his agents throughout yeah, Africa. So this is another and his thing. phone book is just filled with African dictators. Just overflowing. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> and this is sort of when he looks back to France and he starts to get into the game of media and telecommunications. I guess it maybe started with an ill-fated attempt to acquire uh, Bouygues, um, which uh, is yeah. another one of the, sort of the French conglomerates. Bouygues It's another owns, French yeah, billionaire family. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe the equivalent of like Branson and Virgin in Britain, if you're yeah, British. Yeah, like I guess he owns Bouygues, which is one of the major sort of telephone service providers. Um, and in 98, sort of... Um, Bolloré sort of attempts a sort of a hostile takeover, um, starts acquiring shares, tells his friend Bouygues, oh, no, this is just, I'm just investing, I'm propping you up. And then in 98, he sort of stayed, tries to stage a coup and become the majority shareholder of Bouygues. Um, fails, Bouygues essentially fends it off and keeps the shareholders on his side. Um, but I think what's interesting is, I mean, Bouygues owned TF1, which at that point was the only sort of private major news network. Um, so... This is, I guess, a bit of foreshadowing in the sense that now today's Bolloré's big project is media ownership in yeah. France and creating a far-right space in yeah. the media. Um, I guess in the Broadcast in the two thousand particular, yeah, he's in. He seems to be interested in as in well, the two thousands. This would he would step this up and essentially yeah, acquired um, and would gradually become um, a majority shareholder of Vivendi, which is, um, I guess, a media company, Massive media uh, publicity, um, and has then acquired Canal Plus, which is a, a major French television group. It's a cultural um, institution, yeah. Canal Plus. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was a big controversy when he took it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, it, was, it was sort of like a There were strikes... There were strikes, and, and and we need to be clear here. When he takes over, particularly a, a media organization, yeah, you know, it's it's not only a matter of hostile takeover in terms of business, yeah, uh, or, and shareholding. But there's a purge. But there is a, he pur- purges the editorial team. He and he replaces it with people who he controls yeah. and who he's picked there for a specific editorial yeah. line. And it's so funny. <laughs> every time he does it, he's just like. What like who me? Like I don't do what this could be fine. I'm just yeah, gonna invest yeah. loads of money and then obviously every time just does the same thing. <laughs> My favorite story with this was there I guess his first media venture, major media venture was 
this network, um, and this is sort of in, yeah, sort of launched formally in 2005, and this is right when you had the arrival of that DNT, that digital television, um, in France, and he was one of the first owners of one of the networks, which is still part of the Canopus group, but it's one of the papers, paper yeah. view, pay -per -view um, networks, and it's, it was called Direct 8, Direct 8, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, so yeah, it was live broadcast or sort of new content between like so 6 this is like 2005 yeah, something 2005 2000 yeah between live content between like 7 a.m and 11 p.m uh and one of the one of the uh um sort of shows on it was this thing called parole d'afrique which i guess means voices of africa um and it was a show which was hosted by the vice president of the bolloré group <laughs> from the corporate offices in La Défense, just outside of Paris, sort of the business district. It was owned by this guy named Michel Roussin, who, again, hosted this... It was like a monthly sort of talk show um, about sort of, you know, emerging, globalizing Africa. Um, and Michel Roussin also just... He was known as Bolloré's sort of main kind of Monsieur Afrique. He yeah, was his yeah. big sort Africa of influence man. peddler, his sort of dirty man. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah And yeah. Roussin. He like takes all the suitcases of money to all the like African politicians. Yeah. So Roussin <laughs> was, I mean, he was um, sort of the chief of staff of the head of the French intelligence services in the late 70s. So oh, yeah. really great time. Yes, yes, yes. Well, so um, this is another thing is Bolloré is clearly very, um, is strategic the word it, very strategic in terms of the people he surrounds himself with. Yeah. He surrounds himself with ex-high-ranking policemen, yeah. ex-secret service people, ex-military people. Yeah. You know, he knows, you know, he's no fool. And he's also, he's from an old family. He's from, and you know, it's funny, you know, just a little parentheses. Yeah. Uh, I've seen him various times, like, giving talks. You know, obviously I've been, like, watching loads of videos of him. And he often feels the need to cite the fact that his his uncle was with de Gaulle in mm. London in the Second World War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so obviously there's this thing of this sort of French chip on the shoulder of bourgeois families that they need to prove that they won't collaborate. But it goes even further than that, that he's an old family mm. and that old family has survived. That old bourgeois family has survived, you know, and he says it in loads of his speeches, like X amount of revolutions, X amount of kings, X mm. amount of wars. Mm. You know, there is an accumulation of practices in that family, which he, which are deposited mm. in him, mm. which, 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 which explain why he is so, how should we say, why it's so obvious to him that he needs to surround himself with these people. Because mm. at the end of the day, you know, the French bourgeoisie, Although they're pretty good at the moment, they're feeling pretty good at the moment. You know, the history of their class is the history of a lot of close violent, calls. a lot of close calls. Exactly, a lot of close calls. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, so yeah, like, he's a gangster. I mean, Bolloré is sort of a very wealthy, successful gangster. Yeah. Um, and so this guy, Direct Eight, this is his first media venture. Michel Roussin hosts this monthly show on sort of the voices of Africa. I mean, this guy is a former intelligence service officer uh, or former sort of higher up in the intelligence services. In the early 90s in the Baladul government, he was Minister of Cooperation, which is essentially a minute which now is part of the, the Foreign Office in France, but yeah. was sort of the ministry charged with French Coercing. African ties, <laughs> Coercing French sort of former colonies ties. <laughs> And then he was the head of the Africa Bureau at the major French business lobby in the late 1990s. Um, and here he was in the second half of the 2000s, the vice president of the Bolloré Group, <laughs> inviting, I guess, African dictators, presidents, um, French military officers, intelligence officials, um, sort of Africa experts to talk about sort of what's going on in Africa. Yeah. Um, this is a perfect idea of, I think... Bolloré's attitude towards his media possessions. Yeah. Well, so I think this Let's, is... We should maybe try to get up to... Um, oh, I, I guess, yeah, there's... God, we, there's this is such a great story. About yeah, no, no, no. Okay, we'll, we'll do a little gossip interlude. Like, yeah. And then we'll get on to sort of why we think... So maybe up until now you thought, Bolloré, okay, so he's, I guess, oh, no, you know he's what? an aggressive businessman, but maybe he's a good family man. And because, after all, he is a traditionalist and a Catholic. <laughs> he goes to church every Sunday, and, you know, he talks about the importance of, you know, sort of passing things on yeah, and all this yeah. stuff. 
Well, as it turns out, in 1990, I yeah, believe it yeah. was, just as he was beginning his forays into the ex-French colonies, he also left his wife and mother of four, his four kids for her sister. For his wife's sister. His yeah. wife's His nieces and nephew's mother. His kids' his cousin's mother. His own sister-in-law. His sister-in-law. <laughs> and so... As apparently, as you can imagine, this caused massive rifts in the yeah. family. And he spent a lot of the time since trying to re reconnect with his kids because ultimately he does want them to take over the business. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's very big into this family yeah. sort of patrimoine. And it, it, on top of everything, you know, there's it, one gets the impression that with Bolloré, there's religion, family, and business are like an integrated system of mm. sort of. Of control. I mean, he's the patriarch. He's, yeah. he's sort of the pater familias. He yeah, of course, is of course, of course. I mean, he definitely. It's sort of an yeah. It is a, an integrated model of society. For example, when he passes on the the reins in you know, February, whatever. or at least claims to be giving things off to his son, he's going to do this like. He's planning to have sort of invite all the workers yeah. at the sort of token factory that still exists in yeah, Brittany yeah, yeah. Um, to this sort of traditional Breton. Um, like ball. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> which he has like a picture of the original one in 1922. Yeah. Well, in the family museum, which one. is in one of their manners. Oh, yeah, Brittany, yeah. So this is museum. it as well. Like he's got this very, this sort of curation of the family history. Yeah. He's very conscious of this. Yeah. Um, and that I guess that comes back to the way his sort of discourse on my uncle was yeah. with de Gaulle and my family has survived X amount of revolutions, X amount of wars, X yeah. amount of blah, 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 blahs. We've been here since 1822. You know, there's, it's very important to curate this family history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hence the museum. Hence the fact that if you go on his Wikipedia page in France, there's nothing about him leaving his wife yeah. for her sister. And indeed, in a lot of, the profiles, lot of profiles. Yeah. Yeah. Until sort of this last, I mean, the, there was a big Le Mans profile of him this summer that mentioned it. But I mean, I've read several newspaper yeah. profiles of him from throughout the 2010s, yeah. 2000s. And none of them mention a thing about this. Yeah. I mean, even on the French Wikipedia page, it's, yeah, 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 it's yeah, not yeah. there. Um, I guess to bring it up, I guess... So yeah, as far as his children, there's Cyril, who owns, who's in charge of logistics and Africa stuff, the youngest one, who's going to sort of become the next director. And Yannick is the Vivendi guy, his older son, yeah. or his second son. Um, and Vivendi today is sort of the center of control, like concern. Is, is the media. Sort of the atten the, so also what has gotten a lot of political attention, because it's the media branch. And most importantly, um, within Vivendi um, is the sort of the Canal Group, um, which includes CNews. Um, and so CNews is, yeah, as I mean, we've mentioned it before in the show, but it's, it, it's only sort of, it's five years old now. I mean, it, he bought it. He gained control, right? sort of operational control of it in 2016, I think, yeah. But it, it was um, a thing, he bought a thing called ITV. ITV was part of the Canal Group, and he became sort of full controlling stake um, by that point. Um, and sort of, I mean, fully sort of decided, yeah, shifted the model um, in, yeah, 2016. But anyway, um, CNews hit the airwaves in 2017. Okay, yeah, I think it did. Yeah, and yeah. it was quickly very polemical. Yeah. Very, yeah. I mean, you know, the obvious comparisons for British or American listeners, that listeners are Fox News right. and GB News in Britain, which is this new thing as well. Right. Now, GB News has failed, as it happens, and Fox mm. News has been around forever. Yeah. Not forever, but for quite a long time yeah. now. C News, imagine combining GB News' new intervention with Fox News' success. Yeah. And that's what you have in C News. It wasn't, it was, it was failing first. at first. Yeah, he, it was, I think some of the statistics I've shown have said, I mean, the, uh, the ratings of it at first, I mean... It's like it's within the margin of error that no one was watching it at first. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. For example, there, I mean, there was a several week long strike yeah. of all of the journalists. I mean, as we said, he yeah. purges yeah. journalistic staffs when he acquires things. Yeah. Um, but today, it's the most watched TV news channel in France. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's definitely a scary addition to the French media. Yeah. And so, yeah, this sphere. is where you have yeah, Zemmour is on there, Bestia, you yeah, yeah, the yeah, last yeah. time. Um, and Sonia I mean, it's, Mabruk. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess yeah. It's he's also he's growing this empire. Last, um, I guess one of the big media sort of 
media industry stories in France over the last kind of year or so is the ailing La Galdère empire. This is one of the other big sort of press groups in France. Um, you have things like Paris Match, sort of a weekly society magazine, um, Le Journal du Dimanche, the Sunday newspaper, um, the Europe One radio network, and sort of the largest French publishing house, which is called Hachette. Yeah. Um, and as of this spring, um, Bolloré is now the majority, or is, is not the majority, but the, I guess, the dominant shareholder in the Lagardère group. Um, and, I mean, Lagardère, sure, he's well, Which means he owns man. the two biggest publishing conglomerates in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Editis um, is already, was already in the Vivendi, and that's the yeah. second largest publishing house in France. And Europe um, One was quite controversial. You wrote an article on this, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, so Europe One, I mean, Europe One was like a sort of, I mean, it's, it's an old... Media institution. It's a prestigious. Yeah, prestigious. It had been it had been struggling for for several years before Bolloré had got into it. But um, um, I mean, sort of an a very respectable establishment, private radio network. Um, and as of sort of this summer, it's it's being I guess merged more or less with CNews. You're going to have CNews anchors that will be essentially co-chairing time slots or yeah. sort of yeah there's um, like an editorial merge yeah, yeah um you have i mean the the um the former sort of political director one of the former editors of Valor Actuel, this weekly new uh magazine which um, is the the i guess the paper of record of the far right right Valor Actuel. yeah it's um, the paper it's the paper where the sort of rivers of blood open letter of the french ex-french generals about how like yeah black people and Arabs are ruining the country, basically, yeah, was um, published, for example. And so this guy, I think his name is Louis de Raganel, I forget what his name yeah, is, something like Louis de Raganel is, um, is going to be the political director of uh, political programming on Europe One Radio. Um, so essentially it's being annexed by CNews and it's going to sort of become a Fox Radio style yeah. appendage to the TV network. Um, and yes, yeah, so there was a, there was a, a strike in... Um, in um, in June this year, as I guess the new programming um, uh, schedule was revealed, uh, you had you had some. We had one of the humorous, one of the comedian or sort of comic um, comic uh, commentators hosts, hosts on the radio network, who essentially yeah had this was one week she had proposed. A, a new episode uh, or sort of what her bit to do her bits about Eric Zemmour mm. and she was told and uh, she was told by the editors to to not run that segment well yeah uh, he did that segment there's the she put the text Sorry. from her editor up on Twitter yeah. and quit um, yeah. well there's also there's like various <laughs> cases you know he, he cancelled um, Les Guignols which is a sort of puppet it's like the equivalent of spitting image or something like that for British listeners well he he cut the show entirely because it showed I oh know this was on um this is on Canal Plus so I'm getting yeah. my wires crossed but basically he well, yeah, he, he has a long history of direct editorial intervention yeah uh you know and really without without any sort of bother he's not he's not embarrassed of in, yeah, intervening yeah. editorially you yeah. know and when I was, and this is maybe before we sort of transition, I think we should probably get to just talking about kind of bigger picture stuff with this with this guy. Um, but I was when I, I spoke with one of the journalists at Europe One um, when I was writing uh, the article back in June, and so she, I guess she's yeah, one of the radio journalists there, um, but she had actually gotten her start out with um, sort of one of Bolloré's. Yeah, he owned this, and he still owns this. I guess free newspaper that's distributed oh yeah um, it's like a free it was the first free sheet yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and so she used to work she used to work um for this paper i think it was called like direct matin at the time um she used to work there um, as her first job and she was interesting and she talked about how yeah really he was not sure he wanted all of his media outlets to tow his line but politically he really hadn't chosen sides she remembers how they were actually discouraged to cover sort of marine le pen um, during the socialist campaign um, for the mayoral elections, Bolloré wanted Hidalgo. To yeah, he supported. He implicitly supported Hidalgo, who, um, who was a socialist. Who, by the way, is the likely socialist party candidate for the presidency yeah, yeah, this yeah, time yeah. round? Because um, he basically he wanted a, a good contract for sort of one of his other industrial. It's concerns. electrical cars in France. Yeah, I mean, it's in, failed. In Paris, it's, pretty much, it's, it's failed pretty yeah. much. But um, at the time, this was one of his, I guess, new initiatives. Mm. So I guess. 
today Bolloré is sort of the right, considered far right the far right, but it's not. Um, he hasn't always been that way. He's as we said, yeah, he was sort of a Fifth Republic. Sort of, he wanted close to both main parties, able to deal with both main parties, able to play them off against each yeah. other. You know, and so maybe now could we, we should maybe get into why what is all behind of this, this happening. Shift. Yeah. And, um, I think this poses sort of yeah a lot of questions about um, what's going on in this guy's head, what's going on, I guess, within the French ruling class. I mean, like the um, question is, is you know, I guess a, a, a simple question that needs answering is: Is he doing this out of ideology, or is he doing this for something else, for other reasons? Yeah. And you know, I think we we both think that although he's definitely attached to a traditionalist idea of France, which has always got its porousness with the far right, yeah, yeah. and always has done, um, he's much more concerned in protecting his business interests and leveraging power in the ways that he can to do that and to and to protect a certain idea how should you say to protect an orientation in the french state which is beneficial to him and his business uh you know and so on that front you know it, it's about the type of capitalist that he is yeah you know like if we compare him to someone like arnaud who is uh the number one french billionaire what is it like 124 billion or something something mm. crazy you know who is the sort of globalization billionaire? You know, he he owns all the luxury brands. Yeah. Any luxury brand you've probably ever brought, yeah. he, he, yeah. he owns it. Um, and yeah, he's the globalization billionaire, yeah. right? He's the one who's for... So for those listening, he's sort of considered the Macron billionaire. The Macron, the billionaire backing Macron, you know? Yeah. And Macron, of course, is a globalization guy, you know? He's a, he's a neoliberal. Um, and Arnaud is down for that. And Bolloré isn't. Yeah, 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 and I think that's that, that's an important like clue, yeah. you know, because also there's perhaps a certain, you know, let's be clear, Bolloré, Arnaud is in a different league to Bolloré. Bolloré is like eight point two billion. Arnaud is like hundred plus billion, you know, so completely like different. One hundred and fifty billion. Yeah, like he's, so, he switches off constantly with Bezos from wealthiest person in the world. And so one. and so, you know, completely different league. Uh, and so Bolloré, as far. As he's concerned, he can't compete with Arnaud in t- in terms of actual just it's like economic competition. In, yeah, in yeah. terms of actual exactly financial power. Yeah. However, what he can do is buy up loads of media and use that as leverage on the politicians, which Arnaud needs to influence anyway mm. to get what he wants. Mm. You know. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, this summer uh, Sarkozy um, really tried actually to essentially. Reconcile Macron oh, yeah, and and uh, and Bolloré, he like evidently sort of organized a private meeting with them uh, um, at the Elysee, and everything went horribly. And Macron just was like, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm doing everything for you, and you're financing this thing, which is going you're to... financing my main threat. <laughs> like, what's Political the problem? Um, and evidently, I mean, the rumor is also that so uh, we mentioned or I mentioned." Um, uh, Bolloré's acquisition of the Lagardelle group, but uh, sort of the rumor is that um, Macron and his his staff and his sort of his people were very instrumental in organizing essentially Arnaud's entry into the Lagardelle capital as well. I mean, mm. Arnaud is not oh, yeah. doesn't as, have as high of a stake in Lagardelle, mm. but I guess their thinking was but okay. We'll have, get Arnaud in there. We'll get a little counterbalance. You have a exactly you have a, a, a potential confrontation between Arnaud and Bolloré there, which yeah. allows politicians to at least feel that Bolloré is being checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, to, to sort of return to what you were saying about sort of, yeah, Bolloré is sort of a different type of capitalist than Arnaud, and he has just fundamentally does have political interests. I mean, if you look at the type of ventures he has, I mean, sure, he's done very well for himself. Uh, he has $8.2 billion yeah, or so. Yeah, nothing to say but I mean, if you look at his his investments, I mean, yeah, the the, the sort of types of segments sort of within the ruling class. I think I mean it really reminds me of kind of the United States, like sort of African holdings, sort of France Afrique, yeah. is sort of kind of it's an ag- analogous to I guess kind of the Republican Party in the United States, which are these sort of old kind of industrial conglomerates. You have sort of the petrochemical industry arms manufacturers, mm. which and these sort of segments are threatened by, I guess, 
the new Silicon Valley wealth. Which the is new very emergent much, capitalism. Yeah, very much at home within the, sort of the Democratic Party. Yeah, and very much at home in Macron's worldview. Yeah. You know, Bolloré is clearly, you know, Bolloré is threatened by what Macron represents. Yeah. Ultimately, at least 2017 Macron. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and he's also probably, I mean, he is surely his, his African empire, although it's still the most profitable part of his group. I mean, France, sure, France is, I guess, a, a powerful empire, I mean, in many respects, in the, in its former colonial space, but yeah. it is threatened. I mean, you have well, you Chinese have investments, you have sort of Gulf states yeah. that are well, see, poaching that's, um, that's big contracts. The, the sort of other, well, not, yeah, another side of it, which is that, you know, Bolloré, Bolloré ultimately depends on a strong, muscular French state yeah. in relation to its sphere of influence in Africa. Right, 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 right. And because that's how his interests are protected against people, frankly, he can't compete with. Yeah. You know, he can't compete with with the CCP. Of course yeah. he can't. The CCP is like an integrated model of like billionaires meets political power. meets state. <laughs> like yeah. with the Qatari family or, yeah. or with the Saudis. So like, like he's yeah. obviously not going to beat out like a petro monarchy. Yeah. Like, and <laughs> let's not forget that all, most of his money is in Africa. Yeah. You know, the media stuff, you know, CNews is only starting to make a profit recently. Yeah, yeah. And like the media stuff is... Hemorrhaging money. The, cle- the media stuff is clearly ago. not there to make money and yeah. clearly there for political leverage where, okay, maybe you can calculate or factor in the kind of financial benefit you would get from that. But ultimately, yeah. what the media is for is political leverage and what Africa is for is money, yeah. right? And the political leverage is only makes sense if it allows you to defend your interests in the part of your business where you actually make money, yeah. which is in Africa and which is being threatened by all these other actors that yeah, ultimately yeah, yeah. are way more powerful than him. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, it's unfortunate to say the least that all this fucking shit means that now we have this incredibly, like, terrifyingly sort of far right media sphere now in yeah. France, you know, because, like, I mean, it's hard to describe it, like, the changes, the way that, the speed at which changes in, 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 in French media and repre- media representations of stuff have, have, like, shifted over the past five, ten years is massive, you know, like, mm-hmm. and he's been a huge part oh, of that, yeah, I mean, you know. It's highly orchestrated. Um, um, and, you know, the, the fact that Marine Le Pen is your official opposition, you know, all this stuff is... It's stuff that suits him just fine and that ultimately he's doing in a minor way to defend some sort of, or at least in a rhetorical way to defend some idea of France that maybe he could tack onto a Gaullist kind of j'ai toujours eu une idée de la France kind of like discourse. Uh, Which is a France I definitely don't want to live in. Just, uh, you know. (laughs) But but also, you know, ultimately it's it's just cynical interest yeah. defense you yeah. know defensive interests you know which is just having this utterly corrosive effect on on on, on french public life yeah and i guess you know that's the sort of that, yeah. that that's the that's that's the um that's well thank you so much for coming that song it's been lovely to have you here yeah. <laughs> um. yeah, yeah, yeah 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 he's been nodding on with approval yeah. as, as yeah. we've been talking loads of shit. I, I read about something. Him. I, uh, one of the books I read for um, in preparing for this episode was this sort of thing about sort of his African investments. It was this kind of, it's really, you know, it's kind of this artifact sort of small book from like 2000, 2001, um, as sort of Bolloré started to attract a lot of attention from kind of left wing journalists and things like that. Um, and evidently, after this book came out, um, he invited the publisher of this. Um, publishing house for like drinks or for like a dinner at his place so maybe maybe once this airs we'll be invited (laughs) to Brittany (laughs) for the passing of powers this coming oh yeah to attend (laughs) the the, like the ball or whatever the fuck it is the fate or whatever the fuck he's trying to call it like (laughs) Jesus Christ where he's going to invite like Every yeah. French celebrity yeah. and like everyone with any influence anyway. Yeah, he said he really liked the. He said he really liked the the editor and the publisher of this book. Yeah. Um, so I don't know he, he. I mean, he cares about sort of pluralism. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess um, we said, you said yeah. that so that you'd invite us to the ball. <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess we said we would try to be a bit shorter, so should we just should we? Yeah, I think I think this is this, a, this is perfect time to stop. Yeah, all right. And uh, I hope I hope you you you've learned something about one of France's most controversial billionaires yeah. today. I mean, uh, he, he has been in the news today, and maybe you guys should I don't know invest, but um, <laughs> but Universal Music Group, which 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 is he owns, that, yeah, part of yeah, Vivendi, uh, yeah. part of Vivendi, I think was now listed independently on the stock the stock market as of today i think it was introduced um uh and i think i don't know the estimates i was I read one sort of quick piece about it that i mean that's going to swell his fortune by a few billion so by now lucky him yeah. you know he's already made two what was it like he made two billion during covid which obviously is not that much. which obviously is chump change compared to Arnaud, who literally made like 50 billion yeah that's no the, the profile of Bolloré i read that was from like 2013 when he was sort of this like love uh, not like this sort of lovable, like tan, like kind of has weird connections in Africa, but like which French? But like, God, isn't he just person. so charming? But he's like tan. He is this like kind of quirky Catholic guy from Brittany. Um, yeah, in that article, it said I mean he had uh, in 2013 his fortune was like eight billion. It's still eight billion. All knows then was 24 billion, and all knows now has gone up like 125 billion since then. Yeah. So that must be hard for Bodo. Yeah, that's sticking in its crawl, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, right. I'm sorry you're not as rich as Arnaud, uh, Vincent Bolloré. And uh, I guess we'll wish our listeners a yeah. uh, good night. Should we call it there? Yeah. All right. Take care. Bye, guys. Au revoir. That's fine.